Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Oh, what's going to happen in New Hampshire? Yeah, I have no idea. Nobody else does either. Everybody is fooling themselves and kidding themselves. Bernie can win. Sure. Buttigieg can win. Sure. What does it mean? Beats the living daylights out of me. That is no way to start a radio show, by the way. That is no way to have a conversation with friends. But what am I supposed to do? If I take a look at the polling, the polling will tell me that Bernie Sanders is in a commanding place. If I listen to the ground, I will have a multiplicity of Bernie supporters. I will have Pete Buttigieg supporters. I actually had a group of women come in here just to see what the Radio Row looked like here in Manchester. Manchester? How about Manchester? Much better. And I I sat her down. I sat her down. you got to hear this. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833. Got Tony. 833-468-8669. This was the case study in what happens when people are most affected by how they hear versus what they hear. Her name is Trish. And she, I didn't know her from Adam. She comes in with, with three other women. One of them is, is her daughter, 16 years old. They were all lovely. They're voting for Pete Buttigieg. Huh. I'm curious as to why I sit her down. I'm on Radio Row. I've got chairs. I've got microphones. I sit her down. I'm going to interrupt this a little bit. But it, it was, you know, for anything that a pundit can tell you, what does it matter? You have to be there to experience it. It doesn't matter how many pictures you see of the Grand Canyon. Eventually, you have to stand as close to the edge as your legs will allow before you fall down and cry. I can't get close to the edge, just so we're perfectly clear. Dear God, not even going to try. But you have to experience it for yourself. It is the matrix. You have to experience the thing. That said, this woman comes in. She's voting for Pete Buttigieg. And I said, Trish, answer some questions for me. We're here on Radio Row. And these three women walk in. And I'm like, wow, New Hampshire is very attractive women. And... And it's it, and you realize you can say that on radio. Oh, you, oh, you can, the things you can say on radio. But let me run the interview. And and she and, and and they're looking around like we're zoo animals. A bunch of radio hosts in the room here at the, at the radio row. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, and they're from New Hampshire. They're as they say, they're one of the five. They're one of the five people in this building right now who can actually vote. Mm-hmm. And they came to see because NBC is set up basically in the basement yes. area and. Things going on morning. Joe is here, and they said Mika looked tired. She looked tired, or she sounded no, I tired. Say she, she she was quiet. She was quiet, not tired. Not quiet. tired. She We're, was very sweet at the end. When we I, I, did I say hungover? I'm going with hungover <laughs> with Mika. And I said, did you vote? And then no, 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 we didn't vote. Well, and we then got here at, at four o'clock this morning. So you so couldn't the vote yet. We're not open yet. But you're going to vote right, going now. right now. Two of you. Uh, someone's daughter here is not voting. She's too busy doing community service. She has no time. <laughs> um, Sixteen. Well, there's she that too. Yeah. Uh, and your name is Trish. Trish. How are you, Trish? I'm Tony. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. Uh, and you say you're voting for Pete Buttigieg. You I know, am. we we broadcast out of Indianapolis. Great. We're heard throughout uh, the Midwest. So here's the question: mm-hmm. Why? His message of hope. 
Um, the only other campaign that I've worked on was President Obama. Right. Um, and I worked on Pete Hold Buttigieg's. Um, you actually volunteered, volunteered for the campaign. Yeah, I did phone banking, called people, got hung up on. Oh, the whole thing. A lot, yeah. The whole thing. So, so I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hang up on you. I was just, I was waiting for the Chinese food. Um, I don't know what a message of hope means. What does that mean to you? It's the fact that he's not just talking about everything that's wrong with the country, but about what he thinks that the country should be. So you think that his message is aspirational? Absolutely. So without putting you on the spot, and I'll mm-hmm. give you some time, yeah. I'd like to know from your perspective what he has discussed that gets to that aspirational place or that aspirational mm-hmm. plane. What do, you, what do you think it is? I think part of it is his personality. And then the other part is just how he says things, that he has solutions about what we should be doing, about you know, not being... One of the things that really stuck out to me when I heard him speak was he said that he never wanted to be the smartest person in the room. Right. I just think that makes sense because Trump always thinks he's the smartest person in the room, no matter who he's in the room with. That's, that he is certainly part of his personality. Person. But I, I guess one of the things that always eludes me about mm-hmm. Pete Buttigieg is that I don't see his solutions as very different from, let's say, a Bernie Sanders. I see his style as very different. But I wonder if the solution is very different. So that, that's my take. What I'm curious uh, from you is, and if you have an answer, mm-hmm. is, is there something that he said a policy position, whether it be guns or whether it be environment or whether it be taxes or or one of those, and there's many others, that you're like that. I like that specific. Well, especially over Bernie Sanders, I think the fact is that he has some common sense, and I don't think Bernie does. Bernie just wants to spend everybody else's money. Right. <coughs> you know, Pete has some ideas, but he also, it's more... A little bit more common sense with how he's going to accomplish that. You know, it's not just start taxing the wealthy. It's a matter of finding solutions that work for everybody. You know, we don't take away everyone's health care and give them all Medicaid. Hold it up. Hold up the interview. Hold it up. My gosh. That. uh, There's more, but I got to stop it there. Because there is a theme that exists that, if you are a careful observer, has made you run ahead through a wall. Hopefully you're owning on somebody else's. There were no policy positions that were discussed. Clearly, the vote for Pete Buttigieg is to stop Bernie because Bernie's considered too radical. What makes Pete Buttigieg a moderate? I was on Fox and Friends this morning having this exact conversation. The difference between Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg's speed. If Bernie Sanders wants Medicare for all and Pete Buttigieg wants Medicare for all who want it, both want government-run health care. Both want a Medicare for all system. The difference is only how fast they're going to get to the place. The place is still the same. So how can one make the claim that Pete Buttigieg is a moderate when both have the same policy prescription? This has been my argument, our argument from the very beginning. This has been our argument that there is no difference. Let's take it back to the beginning of of her conversation. Why Pete Buttigieg? Hope. I don't know what to do with that. You, you, you don't know what to do with that. None of us know 
what to do with somebody who's saying, you know the thing that gets me? Hope. Now, I can follow this up from a conversation that happened with these women after. What happened with these women was that they wanted to know how I could support Donald Trump. And the question they asked me, she had written it down as a question she had for Sean Hannity, she said, as if somehow she was going to magically run into him. Um, Would you want your child having the same moral standards as Donald Trump? And I said, no, but Donald Trump is not in charge of raising my children. I don't want my children having the moral standards of Bernie Sanders, nor of Barack Obama. My children belong to me. They're mine. I'm the one who raises them. I'm the one who sets their moral compass. They're going to have to fill in the rest. But you get with that question exactly the level of disconnect you may have from those people on the political left. Because in their mind, that was the moderate question. They were lovely people. But I put forth to you that that is not a moderate question. That is putting to the idea that everybody that they listen to is somehow morally correct. And only Trump is morally incorrect. But is it possible that Taylor Swift, who your kids listen to, is always morally correct? Is it possible that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the one who is morally correct? You want the Green New Deal, which by its nature will damage, if not destroy, agriculture. One of the things the Green New Deal says, we've discussed it before, James Taylor of the Heartland Institute, not the singer, he's somebody different. It discusses reducing carbon emissions to the point technologically feasible. Not to a point that helps, but to a point that's technologically feasible. If that's the case, you don't run the motor. If you don't run the motor, the combine doesn't run. How do you now have dinner on the second Tuesday? That's a fundamentally good question, isn't it? Am I supposed to believe in the morality of the Green New Deal because they tell me it's going to somehow make things better for the environment? I reject that it would. I would reject wholeheartedly that it could. Because what it will really do is force me not to be able to grow the food in the ground. You know, for the sake of the environment, you should starve. That's a pretty backwards position. That's a pretty immoral position. Not amoral, immoral. But the question that was asked is all the proof that you need. All you need to understand where they are at, they believe that getting rid of Trump is a moral imperative because he's damaging the fabric of the nation as if the fabric wasn't damaged by the advent of Obamacare to begin with. By the advent of if I had a child, he would look like, if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon. You don't think those things were damaging? You don't think Operation Fast and Furious was damaging, allowing firearms to be trafficked outside of the country to fall in the hands of cartel members and no longer be tracked and used to kill border agent Brian Terry? You don't think that had an effect of, my God, how could we allow this to happen? But she's in it for the hope. And that's how big the divide is. I I, uh, continued the conversation and, and, and... after we, we were done recording, and I said there's a very interesting exit poll stat that came out of the Obama-Romney matchup. 
And the exit poll question was, does he care about people like me? And in the question of does he care about people like me, it went for Obama at like 95 plus percent. You know, massive, massive number. And I said, here's the funny thing. I don't care if the president cares about me. I want him to lower taxes and get out of my way. It's the only things I care about. I don't need him to be a moral fixture for my children, and I don't need him to be my boyfriend or my husband. I need him to do the job and get out of the way. These are the only things that I require. Maybe I'm a different voter, but maybe you agree with me, and then maybe we are different voters. But the divide is real. The one plus that came out of it was that we were able to have a lovely conversation. But to this idea of divide, it is not just what divides the right and the left. It is how fractured the left is. I put forth to you that the Democratic Party is fractured. And I don't think I'm telling you anything new in that case. But why they are fractured, I don't think they know. To a person in this group of four women, the most important reason to vote for Bernie because it'll stop, I mean, the f- most important reason to vote for Pete Buttigieg is because it'll stop Bernie Sanders. They're scared to death of Bernie Sanders. The stop Bernie contingent is large and growing. And absolutely, it involves the establishment. It is on to stop Bernie Sanders. It's pretty incredible. So they are divided on who their candidate is, and they are divided on the subjects they think that move the nation. They're divided on the methodology by which to move those subjects. They have not figured out a message, and they have not figured out the messenger. And I say to you that New Hampshire won't change that. They still won't have the message or the messenger. And you can't have the messenger until you have the message because you have to have the right vessel to be able to deliver the message. Is that why Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar are rising? Because maybe they're more all weather for whatever the message may be? Maybe. Maybe. Joe Biden dropping like a stone Quinnipiac reporting that his support from black Americans in January was 52%, and now it's at 27%. Did half of uh, black Americans of this 52% now all of a sudden decide that, you know what, Joe Biden really is a racist? That is not what happened. Of course, that is not what happened. What happened was, was that black Americans is not actually a group. Americans are a group. Some of them are on the political left. And they have determined that Joe Biden is simply incapable of carrying a tune, never mind a message. And if you put him on a debate stage with Donald Trump, he will get destroyed. He can't put together more than four sentences. He cannot do it. And he will sit there and he'll say his look, man, and he'll try and poke Trump in the, in, in the chest. And then he'll go, and it'll be over. And they can't risk it. That's why you're seeing him fall apart. We still haven't seen Nevada and South Carolina, and I'm willing to wait. And so is he. They don't have a message. They don't have a messenger. And you can't have a messenger until you have a message. So while Trish may be looking for hope, Democrats are hoping they can figure out what the hell they're doing. I'm Tony Katz.